Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today is that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thank you for watching. Part of my responsibility, Ephesians 4, uh, 12 through 16, tells me that part of my roles, one of my roles as your pastors is to equip you. You are the saints to do the ministry, the work of God in your family, in your neighborhood, in your life. And so that's what I feel my responsibility is. My role is to make sure that you are fully equipped, that you know who Jesus is, that you know what he's calling you to do, that you know that you have giftings and talents and abilities to be used in the kingdom of God. And I want to continue to do that today. And I believe that uh, as I teach this word, God's going to speak something into your life this morning. So come with expectation. If you have the ability to take notes, do that this morning. If you have a phone, a notepad, or whatever you have to write notes down, I believe God's going to be speaking to you today. And I believe that he's wanting to do that through the word that we've been reading. I know that you've, you know that we've been reading through the New Testament. We started on the 1st of October, and we're, we're now uh, in all four Gospels uh, into them and reading and believing. And um, there's a passage that I read this week that I, I believe God was speaking about what God desires to do in your life what God um, has done for you and what God expects from you. And some of us, we, we wrestle with what, what God desires to see in us, what God has already done for us, and then what God expects from us. And those are three, three things that I'm going to talk to us about today. What God has uh, desires for our life, what God has already done for us to prepare us for that, and what God is expecting us to do with it. Amen? So we're going to go there today. And if you have your Bibles... I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. That's where we're going to be reading out of this morning. This passage talks about the fruit uh, and, and bearing fruit and knowing somebody by the fruit that they bear. Do you know that you're called to bear fruit? Yes? Everyone said yes. Let me ask this side. You guys know that you're called to bear fruit, yes? Thank you very much. You're supposed to bear fruit. God, God speaks about it. We've been reading through the New Testament quite a bit, and, and you see these parables and stories, story after story. Jesus is telling his people about fruit and plants and seeds, and there's so much, right? Because God is wanting to, he's, he's illustrating something for us about what he desires to see in our lives. And I'm going to ask you this question, because we're all supposed to be bearing fruit. The question I have for you today is, what kind of fruit are you bearing? What kind of fruit are you producing in your life? Go to chapter 7 out of Matthew, starting in verse 15. Jesus says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Say their fruit. He says, Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Listen to this. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Isn't that good? Isn't that good to know that Jesus says if you're a healthy tree, you cannot bear bad fruit? And he goes on to say, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Can we pray together? I know we're praying a lot already, but prayer is a beautiful thing. Let's go to the Lord today. Holy Spirit, 
you desire to reveal to us Jesus through the word. And you desire to reveal what you have in store for us and what you desire for us to do and how to live. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and bring fresh revelation to our hearts. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what you have for us, Lord. As we submit our lives to the authority of your word, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's one thing I need to address in this beginning of the passage of Scripture because perhaps some of you, as we began to read this in verse 15, as I read the very first portion, you might have began to write yourself off and say, this is not for me, this is God, is, he, Jesus is speaking to somebody else and to something else. Because he starts off with, beware of false prophets. And maybe you heard that and said, well, that, I don't have to worry about that because I am not a false prophet, I'm not even a prophet. So this is not, a, this is not applicable to my life, Right? But can I, can I hopefully give you some new perspective on that this passage is actually talking to us? Because Jesus says that a, a false prophet can be known by their fruit. And, and I want you to know that prophets, if we, if we talk about them in the Old Testament, were supposed to speak what they heard from God. In fact, they were supposed to be the representation of God to the people of God and to nations around them. There are several prophets in the Old Testament who not only were prophets to the nation of Israel, but nations all around them, and they would give prophetic words to them, right? They were supposed to be the ambassadors of God to the nation and to the people. They were supposed to hear from God and speak what God was, was speaking to them. And can I tell you, now that on the other side of the cross, there was a command that Jesus gave to his disciples, his people, at the end of, of the book of Matthew, and he says, uh, go into all the world, declaring the, the gospel, making disciples of all nations. That is, a, that is a word that he gives his people to say, you are now my ambassadors to people who don't know me, and you are to go to nations that are far from me and draw them close. And in fact, you're going to tell them the words that I'm telling you. So in a sense, you are a prophet. Not that you can tell the future, not that you have... Uh, deep insight about some secret thing in someone else's life, but that you are called to hear the word of God and declare the word of God to people who are far from God. So Jesus now says, you, who I have given my word to speak to people, I better see good fruit in you or else you're a false prophet. And there have been plenty of Christians out there who say they follow Jesus, but when we look at their lives, we think there's something false about this. So can I just set that framework right now and say this passage of scripture, Jesus is talking to us. He's talking to you and me, and he's giving us insight to see if we are false or true. Is that good? Can we agree on that baseline first? Because if you don't agree with that, you're not going to listen to anything else that I say. Jesus is saying, if you want to know that you are truly a disciple of mine or not, I'm going to give you some resources to help you understand if you're following me or not. Is that right? Is that good? So Jesus says... Verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruit, meaning you will recognize those who are actually following me by what their life produces. And, if, and you'll recognize those who aren't following me by also what their life produces. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. God has called you. If you belong to Jesus, then his, then his life is in you, and he is saying to you, you are now a good tree in my kingdom 
I am requiring now good fruit to flow from me. Not bad fruit, because you can't produce bad fruit if you're in me, if you're in, my, if you're in my orchard. So it got me thinking about the kind of fruit that God desires to produce in our lives and how that is expressed. Because if Jesus says our lives should be uh, evident, if we follow Jesus, it should be evident, because he says you should, you'll know them by their fruit, meaning there should be evidence that we are actually following Jesus. And so I had to ask myself, and I'm sure that you've asked yourself this too, what evidence is found in me that I am actually following Jesus and that he's actually working in my life? Hopefully you're asking yourself that question. Hopefully you're wondering, God, are you really doing something in me or is it all in my head? Is this real or is it fake? Is this, uh, is this true or is it not? Hopefully you're asking those kind of questions for yourself. If you're not asking those questions, at some point you will, because there will be a crisis of faith at some point where you're going to ask yourself, God, is this the real deal or is it not? And if it is, how can I tell? And this is what Jesus says, you're going to tell by the fruit that's developed in your life. And I have to ask myself, what kind of fruit is he looking for? And I'm sure if you've been raised in church at all, if you've been any time at all, when I said fruit, you thought of the fruit of the Spirit right? Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22, that's a famous one for a lot of, a lot of us, and, and we go to that portion of the fruit of the Spirit. But before we jump into that, there's three things that I believe that God desires to see in our life that we will understand this is where the fruit of the Spirit works, all right? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the first thing that we want to see that God desires to see in our life is Christ-like character. And I'll go into the, sorry, I'll go into these in a little bit. The second one is Christ-like conduct. And the third is Christ-like conversions. These are three areas that God wants to see the fruit of the Spirit demonstrated in your life. He wants Christ-like character, Christ-like conduct, and Christ-like conversions. Can we go a little deeper in these? First one, Christ-like character, that's where the fruit of the Spirit would be demonstrated in your life. That's where you're going to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. God is developing that in your life and in, in you and through you. It's the kind of fruit that God wants to develop in us. This is what is evident. Here's, here's the interesting thing about character. When we talk about character, character is, is something that is constant both in public and in private. Would you agree? You don't have one character out in public and one character in private. You have a conflict there in your character. It means you actually, you, your true character is what, when no one else is looking. So Christ-like character, God is saying, I want you, I desire for you to be the same person in public as you are in private when it comes to your character. Obviously, we have personality traits that are going to be a little bit different when we're in public and when we're in private, right? Um, I, I found out, uh, when I was in college, I, was, I thought I was very extroverted. And extro Do you know the difference between extroverted and introverted? 
some people think extroverts are just more outgoing, introverts aren't, right? It's, it's all about how you gain energy. Extroverts, you gain energy from being around people. Introverts have to withdraw. I loved being around people, but I always felt drained a little bit afterwards. And I would, I would be really excited to see people, and I'd be like, ah, and then I'd be alone, and I'm like, I don't want to talk to nobody. I need, I need to recharge, right? And some people would say, man, you act different when you're in public than when you're in person. No, that's just personality. God's not saying that. He just wants to make sure that your character is still consistent, that you love in private and you love in public, that you are kind in private and you are kind in public, that you are generous in private and generous in public, that you are, that you are gentle and you have self-control in private and self-control in public. Those are the things that the character he wants to develop in you as a follower of Jesus. And he's saying that this is the kind of good fruit that I want to bear in your life, that I want to develop in your life. And I know that Jesus said, others will see the fruit and they'll know that you belong to me, but, but character is, con is constant in public and in private. That's the first one that God wants to de desires to see in his people. The second thing is Christ-like conduct. And it's the fruit that's on display. It's, it's the fruit that's on display. Conduct is how you conduct yourself when you're in public spheres. When you're out, in, out and about, when you're in, in Madeira. Look, we live in a small town. You act up in Madeira, people, everybody's going to know your business, right, already. So it's, it's a, it's Christ, Jesus wants to develop his conduct in you, his character in you, and his conduct in you. And he wants to move in your life in this way. But the problem is, and often this happens in the church, that, that we tell people how they should act well before the character of Christ is developed in their life. So we say, this is how you should look. This is how you should dress. This is how you should talk. This is what you should do. And yet the, the Christ-like character of the fruit of the Spirit has not yet been fully developed in them. And so we, what do we tell them? Put on a mask and fake it until you make it. Just pretend like you got it all together until the character is developed. Well, that's wrong. Because now what we tell people is we don't really care what's going on in your life or in your heart or in your family or what's going on in your, in your private time. As long as it looks good and it doesn't get messy in our, it doesn't involve us, we don't care about it. Just as long as you pretend like you have it all together, that's what we care about. That's the fault of the church. We've told people we care about what it looks like on the outside without believing what God is transforming on the inside. Character has to be developed first before conduct flows. Character is constant in private and in public. Conduct is seen by others, but we don't want it to be switched around. Does that make sense? And some of you have been hurt by churches who've told you you need to be acting a certain way well before Jesus convicts you of it in your heart by the Holy Spirit that brings transformation. I'm sorry, I'm preaching better than silence right now. I, this is truth that God is saying, I want to develop character in you, and I want you to look like my son, but don't fake it. Because what Jesus does is real, and it's powerful, and it's freedom in your life. But for some reason, we've got it backed up and twisted, and people walk in the doors hurting, and we tell them, you've got to look a certain way before you can come into this place. You've got to act a certain way before you come in here. I'm going to believe the Holy Spirit is going to develop character in you so that you'll live like Jesus lived. God wants to develop his fruit in you, and he wants it to come up out of you. 
He's going to develop Christ-like character in you by the work of the Holy Spirit well before you start acting like you've got it all together. In fact, there's a parable in Luke chapter 13 about a man who plants a fig tree in the garden, and Jesus is telling this. A man comes, he plants a fig tree in the garden, and for three years, every year he comes to that fig tree when he believes there should be fruit there, and there's no fruit. And he tells his gardener, rip this tree out. It's a waste of good ground. It's wasting my resources. And the gardener says, give me one more year. Let me till the soil. Let me put some fresh fertilizer in it. And after another year, if this fig tree does not start to produce, then we can think about ripping it out, right? Well, there's something that we as a modern audience miss out in this story because not a lot of us are, have fig trees. Not a lot. Of, um, do, how many of you have, have planted a fig tree in the last three years? Anybody? Okay. Well, Helen, this is not going to be news to you. Right? The interesting about fig trees is, and it's like almond trees, they don't produce until after their third year. They don't produce anything until the, the fourth, the fifth year, and, af and afterwards. And in this parable, God is not the one who planted the tree. God is the gardener telling those who are impatient with the fruit that they think should be developed in somebody's life, be patient, give me one more year. I'm still working something out in their lives. And some of us are impatient with our loved ones, with our spouses, with our kids, with our friends, with our neighbors, because you tell them about Jesus, you want them to know Jesus, you're, you want them to pursue Jesus, but you don't see the fruit that you think they should be developing in their lives, and you say, it's not worth it, I'm going to just walk away from it, because it's not developing at the speed that I want it to develop. And you give up on it, while God is still saying, give me one more year. I'm still tilling up the soil, I'm still fertilizing, I'm still causing growth in them. Don't walk away prematurely because you don't see the fruit you think you should see. Can I tell you something? You are not the gardener. He is. He knows the timing of when something's going to be produced before we do. And I have a sense that some of us get impatient thinking things should be just like this. They should just be like this. They're doing the right thing. They're reading the word of God, but I don't see anything developing them yet. They're praying, but I don't see the fruit of that. Well, give it time. Give it time. God is the gardener, you are not. At the same time, listen to this. At the same time, every year there should be growth that can be measured at some point. Even if the full fruit of the Spirit hasn't been developed, maybe they're more patient than they used to be a year ago. Maybe they're more loving than they used to be a year ago. Maybe they're more kind than they were a year ago. Things are budding. Give it time. Something that we need to understand is that God is developing fruit in us and he's saying, give it time. Not only in others, but also in you. Because you can get frustrated that you are not where you think you should be in your walk with Jesus. You can get frustrated with not seeing things develop as fast and as, as quick as you had hoped them to be. Maybe you're frustrated even about prayer that you've been asking God for and it's not being fulfilled yet. That fruit has not been developed yet and you're wondering, how long do I got to wait? A year? That's too long. Two years? No way. Three years, you got to be kidding me. But yet I hear the Spirit of God saying to some of us, give me one more year to develop what I want to develop in you. Are you willing to be patient in the waiting and trust God that he knows what he's doing better than you know what you're doing? Come on, church. 
I think that's good news. I think that's, a, that's something to tell us, God, thank you for being patient with me. Because I wanted to be somewhere else, and I'm not there yet. But thank God you're the one who carries me through, and you develop the stuff in my life. He is developing. Can I tell you something prophetically today? He is developing the character of Christ in you. He is going to help you walk it out and live it out so that you were maybe not a sweet person, but now you are a sweet person. Maybe you weren't gentle, but now you're going to be gentle. Maybe you didn't know how to love, but he's going to teach you how to love. Maybe you wrestle with self-control, but he's going to help you with self-control. He's developing it in you. He's doing it in you. Let God do his work in you and, and in others. You need to stop beating yourself up and you need to stop beating up others because you don't see the fruit right away. God is working. If character is defined by what is constant in public and in private, conduct is clearly seen as your character on display. But we don't want to fake it. We want it to be real. Colossians 1, 9 through 10 says this, and this is Paul when he's writing his letter to the Colossian church. And he says, and, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walking in a manner worthy of the Lord is your walk is what you do daily. Your, your display, your life on display for others. Paul's saying, we've been praying for you that you, would, that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him in every interaction and in everything that you do, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. God is wanting to bear fruit in your life, not just in your prayer time, not just when you read the word, but in every interaction and in everything that you do and everything that your hand touches, God wants to bear fruit there as your conduct is on display of what God is doing in, inside of you. Amen? The last thing, the third thing, is our lives should bear the fruit of Christian conversion. What I mean by that? People should be putting their faith in Jesus partly by what they see in your life. Can I say that again? People should be putting their faith in Jesus partly, I mean, not, obviously it's not all up to you. Jesus is the one who saves. The Holy Spirit is the one who woos. But your testimony should stir somebody in their heart, saying, I want to know the Jesus that they know. God is saying, as I develop my character in you, and as you begin to live out that character and it's displayed on how you live and how you act, there should be some fruit of people coming to Jesus because of the way you live your life. He is wanting to do it. And what's interesting, Romans chapter 16 and verse 5, Paul's writing in his, his uh, greetings and farewells portion, he, he writes to an individual and he says, this is the first convert of the faith in Asia. Romans 16.5. He says, greet this individual who was the very first convert. In Greek, the literal says he is the first fruit of Asia. God is wanting to see the fruit of people's lives being transformed by you. You should have fruit of the Spirit and you should have fruit of people coming to Jesus by the way you live your life. You have a testimony. You have a purpose. God is developing something in you and he's growing fruit in your life. 
not so that you can consume it on your own, but that you can give it to others and they can bear fruit in their lives as well. God is wanting the lives, our lives to produce fruit from others coming to know Jesus. This is what God desires. But God, being God, doesn't just put a requirement on our lives and then walk away and say, figure it out, figure it out. He doesn't just say, do better, be better. He gives us the resources to produce what he wants us to produce because he's God, because he loves us. Amen? This is what God has done for us. So I told you what God desires. Now this is what God has done. There are three things that God desire, uh, has done. The first one is that he grafts us in. John chapter 15 talks about Jesus. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Paul talks about it in, in terms of olive trees. He says, you were wild, but you have been grafted into the, the family of God. You've been brought into the family of God through Jesus. You, have, you, were, you were away, and now I have brought you in. God is the one who saved you. You didn't save yourself. He called you. You responded to his response. But it was him that one, is the one who brought you into the family. He grafted you in to the vine. The Bible is clear that we are not connected to Christ by birthright or by nature. The Bible says that we were enemies of Jesus. We were enemies of God. And even while we were his enemy, he died for us. So we, are, we were wild branches destined for fire, and yet God in his love and mercy adopted us and grafted us into his family through his son Jesus. So he did that for you. You know that you cannot bear fruit. A, a, a grapevine, the branches of a grapevine cannot bear fruit if they're not actually connected to the vine. So God says, I want you to bear fruit, but I'm going to connect you to the resource that's going to help you produce. That's number one. He grafts us. The second thing is, is he feeds us. Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There used to be a ton of grapevines around here. Some of you maybe have worked tying, tying, the, tying the vines onto the trusses. And you know if a, vine or a branch is, uh, has been cut off, it can't produce any fruit. But you know the ones that are connected, obviously, to the vine are being nourished by the vine. They're being produced by the vine. They're, the, their nourishment from the soil, from the light, everything is being produced from the vine into the branches. And God is feeding us because he's connected us to Jesus. Now God is filling us with all the spiritual nourishment we need to produce the fruit in our lives that he desires. So he doesn't just say, I want this kind of fruit, go figure it out. No, he says, I want this kind of fruit, I'm going to plug you in, and I want you to stay in so that I can develop it in you. And I'm going to give you all the resource you need to develop that fruit that I want. He's doing the work, is what I'm trying to say. Already for us. He's already providing it for us. And he's saying, I, I, uh, this is what I want to develop, and I'm giving you all the resources for it to happen. And the third thing he does, so he grafts us in, he feeds us, and then the third thing is he lifts us up. He lifts us up. If God is the vine dresser and he lifts up those branches that are low and drooping, he ties them up so that they'll produce fruit. Those of you tied branches, and you know that those that are drooping low and in the dirt, they're just not going to produce. They're not going to get enough sunlight. They're not going to be able to produce. The fruit's going to be down in the dirt and nasty. So you tie them up so they can be supported and so they can grow what they need to grow. God lifts us up. And in John 15, 2, 
there's a couple ways we can trans, translate this passage of Scripture where it says that God is the, the vine dresser and every branch that does not bear fruit. The, in the Greek, and most of our translation says he takes away or he removes. But in the Greek, we can also translate that as he lifts up. Others can say he lifts off, but the, the term is he lifts. He picks up. And so those, those of us who are struggling to bear fruit, God doesn't leave us in the dirt alone. He says, no, I've already connected you to the vine. You're already there. I'm already pumping in resources spiritually into your life, but you're still struggling. So I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to tie you in with others that are going to support you to help you bear the fruit that I want you to bear in your life. So he gives us a support system. What is that support system? What is it called? It's, it's called the church. It's called the person next to you. It's called the body of Christ so that you're called to bear fruit, but he doesn't say do it alone. He says, I've brought others with you as a support system to help bear fruit in your life that you could not do on your own. Because I don't want you down in the dirt, drooping and lonely, down here not producing as I'm pumping my spiritual life into you and I've connected you into the vine, now I'm going to lift you up, connect you with others so that you'll develop the fruit that I desire. Isn't that good? So he grafts us, he feeds us, and he lifts us up. So God desires Christ-like character and conduct and conversion to be seen in our lives and he helps us by connecting us to Jesus by feeding us the spiritual food we need and connecting us in fellowship with each other. So the last question is then what does he expect for us to do? It seems like he's already done 99% of the work for us. He, he says, I'm going to develop these things in you. I'm going to give you time. I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to give you the resources you need to develop fruit, but there is something I need you to do. There's, there is something that I expect you to do so that these things can be developed in you. Jesus talks about it in John 15 again. He says, abide in me, for apart from me you can do nothing. But in him, all of these things are possible. In Jesus. So what does he want you to do? The one thing that God requires of you, the expectation that God has put on your life is that you abide in in Jesus, that you don't try to do it on your own, that you don't allow anybody else to push you away from Jesus, no matter what's happened in the church or in your family or in your circumstances. He doesn't allow, any, don't allow anything to push you away from Jesus because the one thing he says you have to do is to abide in Jesus. So come hell or high water, you have to abide in Jesus if you're going to develop the fruit that's going to remain. And why is the fruit important? Because he says, you will know if you are true or false by the fruit that you bear. And I want you to bear good fruit. And you'll bear good fruit if you abide in me. Because in me, Christ is the good tree. And in Christ, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. If you remain in him, you are good fruit. And you will develop good fruit. A fruit that remains. Fruit that is evident to everyone who is around you. Come on now. Whew, I'm about to run around this church. I'm about to bring it old school. Isn't that beautiful? That Jesus, when he said a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, but a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, he was talking about himself, declaring, I am the good tree. And if you're in me, you're good fruit. 
Isn't that encouraging? Those of you who are wrestling with what's going on in your life and the struggle that you're, ha- you're dealing with and the, the issues that are going around that, and the enemy is coming around and telling you you're worthless and you have no purpose and you have no value and your life will amount to nothing because of what you're going through. And Jesus says, but you're in me, so you're good fruit. <laughs> Woo! I'm about to, oh man, I'm about to do a two-step in here. That's so good. So remain in him and you're good fruit. And he'll develop good fruit in your life. And you'll look like Jesus in private and in public. And when you get out in public and people see the conduct, they'll see the conduct of Jesus in your life. And they'll see the conduct of Jesus so heavily in your life that they'll say, I need to know the Jesus that you know. And that's when revival sparks in our city and all of your family knows Jesus and all of your friends and your neighbors want to know what's going on in your life and why you have hope when you should not have hope and when you have peace when you should not have peace. Because of the goodness of God developing the fruit of God in your life. And all you got to do is abide in Jesus. You got to abide in Jesus. Real quick, how do you abide in him? By abiding in his word. The word of God will always point to Jesus. You'll know this by what we looked at in the Old Testament as we read through the Old Testament from January through September 30th. And every time we looked at the Old Testament, we found Jesus. Because it always pointed to him. So if you read his word, you're going to develop the mind of Christ. You're going to be transformed by the renewing, the washing of the word into your mind. That's why there's a program called Teen Challenge that helps people break addiction. But not only just break addiction off their life, and it doesn't just say, okay, stop doing this and then do nothing else. Well, one thing that Teen Challenge requires people to do when they're coming out of addiction and out of bad habits, it says, okay, you're stopping this. Now you have to start something new. And what does it require of them? It says, I want you to memorize the scripture. One major task that they make people do is, is memorize the scripture of God because memorization of scripture gets in your brain and it changes the way you think. See, we need to bring back the old school memorizing scripture. I remember, remember in... And my, my son's doing it right now. I'm memorizing scripture, and I'm working with him, and he repeats it back to me, and sometimes he doesn't get it, but you know what? He's only five. But some of us need to, to stop trying to speed three, read through the Bible and, and pick a life verse say, I'm going to memorize this, and I'm going to live my life by this. And I'm going to let this verse, the word of God, renew my mind. And by doing that, I will abide in Jesus. The second thing that helps you abide is remaining steadfast in prayer. Whatever you do, wherever you go, take it to the Lord in prayer. Be a people of prayer. Be a people who says, I got to be with Jesus. Before I start my day, I got to be with Jesus. Before I I make this decision, I got to take it to the Lord in prayer. You abide because you're continually communicating with the Lord. The best marriages are the marriages that, that remain in communication. You begin to see breakdown in marriages when you see a breakdown in communication. And so those of us who want to remain in Christ, we need to be able to communicate with him, hear his words, and allow him to hear our hearts. The third thing is be in Christian community. Every chance you get, get with believers. Every opportunity that arises, be with others who love Jesus. Because there is life that develops there. This is your support system. This is what God has created. This is the trellis for the grapevines to be tied up and bear fruit as we join together. 
get, there's opportunity, any opportunity there is to get connected in fellowship with other believers, do it. Because it's going to help you remain in Jesus. It's going to help you develop that fruit that God wants to move in your life. How do we know this? Because when Jesus was talking to his disciples about abiding in him, when he's saying, you, need, you abide in me, he was using the plural of you. In the south, they'd say, y'all. If Jesus was southern, he would say, y'all abide in me. He's saying, together, collectively, and individually, abide in me, but together, abide in me. Be strengthened together in me, and you'll see the, you'll see the world turned upside down. I asked you a question this morning as we draw to a close, and if I could have uh, the worship team come as we close out. I asked you, what kind of fruit are you producing? Is it good fruit or bad fruit? Is it real fruit or fake? Is it rotten? Is it fresh? What kind of fruit are you producing in your life? Jesus said we'll be known by our fruit, whether or not we belong to him. Whether or not we belong to him. See, God wants to examine our character today. He wants us to examine our own conduct. He wants us to reflect on those that we're influencing. He's saying, I want to develop my character in you. I want your conduct to reflect the character I'm developing in you, and I want that to, to be seen by others around you. So this morning, as we come to a close, Let's take a moment and allow the Lord to search our hearts. And we'll pray together that God would have his will and his way. We would be reminded that he's already done all the work. The only thing he requires of us is that we abide in Jesus, that we remain in Jesus and we don't let anything separate us and come in the way of what Jesus is wanting to do. every head bowed and every eye closed this morning I want to give the invitation to anybody under the sound of my voice who has not put their hope in Jesus if you don't have relationship with Jesus then you can't abide in him you can't have life in him there is no good fruit outside of Jesus and Jesus is saying there is things that I want to develop in you. I want you to be a part of my family. He has a call on our lives. So if that's you this morning, if you want to put your hope and trust in Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to raise your hand this morning and say, I want to put my life in Jesus' hands. I want to be connected to Jesus. I want to know what it means to be grafted into Jesus so that I can produce the fruit in my life, fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. I want that fruit in me. It only happens when you are 
connected to Jesus by giving your life to him. So on the count of three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me so that I can have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus? Not that I, not just knowing him, not knowing about him, but knowing him personally. One, two, three. Right now, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I give my life to Jesus. those of you who are watching online as well, repeat this prayer after me and those in the house today. Say, Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy on me. Thank you for giving me the ability to be a part of your family. Right now, I put my trust in you put my hope in you. I look to you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to abide in you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. For the rest of us, would you stand to your feet this morning as we close out our time? encourage somebody today God is with you and he's working in you and he's producing the fruit that he desires to see in you and he just calls you to abide in him so if you want prayer to help you abide in Jesus the Holy Spirit to strengthen you and to help you to remain in him would you just slip your hand up now? We'll just pray together. You don't have to come forward, but I just believe that God wants to continue to pour out his strength on you. Let's pray together. Jesus, you see our hands. You see our hunger for you, Jesus. And we thank you in your word. You said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. God, we want to abide in you. We want to remain in you. Help us, Jesus, to abide in you. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now for a fresh filling of your spirit upon every hand that's raised right now. A fresh fire, a fresh passion, a fresh desire to draw closer to you today, Jesus. God, you're going to develop fruit in their lives fruit that remains, fruit of your character, fruit of your conduct, and fruit that comes from people putting their lives and their, their hope in you, Jesus. You're going to develop it in your people, and you are already. And I thank you for it, God. A fresh outpouring of your spirit right now in the mighty name of Jesus that's going to help us abide. Give us a deeper hunger for your word. Give us a deeper longing for intimate moments in prayer. God, help us to remain faithful to the fellowship of the saints that you've given us. Believing these things are going to help us abide in you, Jesus. We love you now. We praise you. And 
Lord, I speak your hand upon your people, and I seal this word in our hearts. God, protect this word in our hearts today. Don't allow the enemy to come in and rob, God, what you've done. We thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory, all the honor. We declare all the power and all the praise belongs to you. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends and help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the